What's up, everybody? Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing to Granted Radio on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have the free time, please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. This show is not only for the artists, but for the fans of the guests that we have on the show, and we want to create the best experience possible for you, dear listener. Thanks, everyone. We played Burrow Haggard. Hit a sun come up. I'll play some Johnny. I'll play some Buck. Yeah, if you don't like it, well, you just title up. I'm the old fashioned and suits me fine. I'm carrying on what Nashville lived behind. Come on, carry it on. All right, All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome and thank you for tuning in to the hub of the OC music scene, Granted Radio, winner of the OC Weekly's 2018's Best That's Podcast. Right. Uh, I am local crackpot. Alex Lillisbrew, uh here with me, <laughs> is the man with plan, Emo Aladdin. He's kind of here. He's uh, helping set up. And uh, completing our trifecta is Hazem Hootenanny Aladdin. Nice. And uh, joining us today is a very special band, Michael Monroe Goodman. Thank you. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Appreciate you guys coming in. Um, still getting a little set up here. Uh, you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, uh, my name is Michael Monroe Goodman. Uh, I'm the one that band's named after, and uh, and these are the Honky Tonk Ninjas. This is <laughs> Mr. Kevin Milner on the pedal steel guitar and the lap steel, and Mr. Nick Zengraf. What's up? On the uh, on the electric bass, and then we got Caton Wildman Burns uh, in there uh, putting up his cymbals, and he's a uh, he's the plays the he plays the drums. So we're yeah we're a Four piece most of the time. Sometimes we have a fiddle player. We got a fiddle player, but he's back in Chicago right oh, now doing theater. So yeah. wow, he's okay, not cool. with us right now. Yeah. So is that the official name? Ninjas? Michael Monroe Goodman and the Honky Tonk Ninjas. Yeah. Honky Tonk Ninjas. They're, they're, okay, they're cool. Like yeah, they're like the Strangers or the Buckaroos. They're, like that. they're the Honky Tonk Ninjas. <laughs> I like that. So yeah, we we bring Honky Tonk into your life like a ninja in the night. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. So how how long have you guys been a band? Uh, this group of guys. Well, Caton's been with us almost a year on the drums. Kevin's been with me for two years yep. mm-hmm. uh, on pedal steel. Nick's been with me for like a year and a half almost, yeah, something, like, something like that. And like, uh, yeah, so I moved out here, uh, moved to Anaheim two and a half years ago and doing theater and acting and stuff. That's what, and comedy, I do all that stuff. And then, you know, started uh, trying to like network and meet people and put together my band out here because, you know, I had a band. I had my own band back in Kentucky and had a band in Chicago then recording with stuff like that so mm. moved out here it's like well I gotta start all over and find find guys that I don't hate you know uh, <laughs> that, that, that know what country music is yeah and that's kind of hard sometimes to find uh, in today's climate you got it's hard to find a it's hard to find a, a guy who can play a shuffle on the drums and it's kind of hard to find someone who knows what a pedal steel is and then a bass player that doesn't suck that's <laughs> yeah, really hard to find those it's hard to find yeah, yeah. but I've, I'm real blessed these guys are all the best and, that's awesome and, and that's why we're the best honky tonk band in California really cool yeah so when you said networking how'd you how'd you meet them through uh, what you know I put I put a, when I first moved here I like did the, the dumb thing I put like an ad on Craigslist you know of course you just you get way more crazy people careful yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like it's better it's just better word of mouth so you know um, but uh I mostly met these guys from networking. A good buddy of ours named Just Dave, Dave Bernal, the Just Dave Band. He used to hold a, a 
every Wednesday night um, country music jam up in Tarzana mm -hmm. at the uh, Maui Sugar Mill, which is a real hot little club because a lot of celebrities and stuff go there. But um, yeah, I just went there and like befriended him and like let him know, you know, as a country artist in town, and he pretty much just gave me a whole rolodex of people to call and so. Like tried out people mm -hmm. Kevin was the first person first pedal steel player I hired and so that just kind of stuck and then some other people you know drummers and bass player stuff kind of went through it was just kind of you know uh, finding the right combination of yeah. people that really really understood my style of music and are fun to hang out with and play of gigs course. with you know yeah. so did you audition for the different roles too or or did it just work it wasn't really auditions. It was like I got a gig. I was like, yeah. well, I need. Uh, I gotta call up, call, go through the list of names, find a, a bass player, a drummer, whatever, and try them out for that gig. And mm -hmm. then, if you know, and then, and then the next gig, call somebody else or whatever. You know, until you, really found the people that you're mm -hmm. like, oh, I want to try and do my best to always try and get this person on the gotcha. gig. You know, sometimes gotta have subs. Yeah. Uh, you know, because all the guys playing other bands, you know, because you're just trying to work and stay, you know, pay yep. the bills. So. You know, I'm not, I don't, it's kind of hard for any, none of the country artists here in Southern California, or except for maybe a couple, are booked so, so much that they, that their band members don't have to play in other bands. But most people play in other bands. Nick plays in a couple other bands. And mm -hmm. Kevin fills in lots of other bands and does projects. And Caton's got a million projects going on, mm -hmm. jazz and all kinds of stuff. So, you know, whatever, to stay busy, I'd never, uh, stop any of them, you know, from taking a higher paying gig or whatever they can pay the bills. But I try my best to always get these guys on the gig when I can, you know, work around their schedule. So, do you do all the booking too? The yeah, shows? I do. I'm not very good at it, but I do <laughs> yeah. at this point, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's one thing I'm not really good at, but I, I do. Luckily, we get word of mouth. Luckily, we, we're such a good band that luckily, word of mouth and reputation gets us more doors open than anything yeah. if I had if I could counter that with it being a good bigging agent we'd really be cooking but it's it's a process you know of course and you know I haven't been here that long so it's still just getting my word getting my name around when did you move here uh, April of 2016 oh my god so yeah. you, you said you were from Kentucky uh, yeah. what made you settle on uh, Southern California uh you know, uh, insanity, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's you a, need a little you know, bit of that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, I, uh, I've been a country music uh, songwriter and singer all my life. I grew up, you know, I grew up backstage at Grand Ole Opry sometime I was born. So it was like, cursed to be a country music singer. So I've done that all my life, pretty much. And, but um, back in 2010, I did stand-up comedy in Louisville, Kentucky, where I lived for a long time. And then I met some people in Chicago and they encouraged me that I should uh, go to Chicago and study improv and comedy and, and acting because it's just something I'd never tapped into that I'd always wanted to do. So I did. I went to Chicago and I did that. I kind of put music on the back burner for a while and, and went to school and studied acting and improv. I had a lot of success with that in Chicago, doing musical theater and stuff. But I really wanted to be... Um, and I had a good band up there, too. They recorded... I had guys that recorded my last two albums and sessions and stuff. And, um, um, but I really wanted to get into TV and film, you know, as I write, I write comedy and write movies and sitcoms and stuff. And so, hmm. and I like to, would like to be in them. So it only made sense to come out here and okay. start over and, you know, pay my dues here in, in, in Southern California. And, and, and I just got lucky that I've come out here and 
you know, find such a good uh, group of guys to be in a band. This is the best band I've ever had awesome. in my whole life. You know, we just, we got, we gel really well and they're just all really, really good at what they do and, and we li- and they all enjoy doing what we do. So it's not like, it's not just a paycheck, you know, like, you know, uh, so that makes it all the well. They just, they, I don't know, I guess we've been playing long enough together now, like they get me. A lot of times we'll just, most gigs we'll just, I'll throw out a song that they've never heard of before and I'll be like, let's do this one and I'll just like, you know, I'll tell Caden like, oh, it's, you know, it's just kind of be the whatever and it's, you know, just follow me for the changes, you know, mm-hmm. you know, uh, groove and B, follow me for the changes. Try to keep up. Back to future again. But like they, they, they get what I do so much now that we, we kind of we can read each other, and so we're we're even able to do stuff off the cuff, and so it's it's good because it right, just cool. brings the songs to life the way that, that that I feel that they should be done, or in my style, mm-hmm. and just everybody we all really get it. And, you know. So primarily, you bring the music to the band. Yeah, I'm I'm the songwriter. Yeah, I've I've been writing songs. So you have time to write songs, even though you're busy with. Yeah, it didn't take that long. I mean, it's really it's more it's more for me it's more of the discipline of sitting down and make myself do it than it is to take long. I mean, I'm I'm currently on day five of a thirty day songwriting challenge that I put myself on, and so I'm like uh, posting a a new song every day for thirty days. Wow. On social media to kind of like keep myself honest so that my fans and friends or whatever like are like where's today's song so that it makes me <laughs> get up every morning and finish songs that I've had that I haven't never finished mm-hmm. or write a new song idea or whatever so uh, I've been doing real well with that yeah it's so it amazing. works yeah it's amazing I mean you know when I was young ones coming out of this yeah and they're, they're good that's the thing about it is like a lot of times as an artist you get in your head and especially when I was young and just kind of learning how to songwrite or whatever and learning what structure makes a good song uh you just kind of wait for inspiration but mm-hmm. really it's it's in you to if you're if you're an artist it's in you to do it it's just a matter of like getting out of your getting out of your own way and yeah. being overcritical and just trusting yourself to do it and so that's kind of what this challenge is for me it's like when there's a, and i've always worked that way uh from time I was young it's like when there's a deadline i can like make miracles happen overnight mm-hmm. but like you give me all day you give You're me like a year to do something and i'll like dilly dally and it's like mm-hmm. it's not a good it's not a good ethic to have and it's like if i'm capable of doing stuff like that like why not make myself do it mm-hmm. and then i have a catalog that's you know so yes yeah, so you're talking about 30 songs right 30 days 30 songs in 30 days yeah it's like a double album pretty much <laughs> it would be yeah i mean some of them are i'm not that's the thing about this usually when i write songs it's it's album-minded. Yeah. You know, it's just like, now usually like right before I get ready to go and record an album, I'll like crank out four or five new songs leading up to it and weed out weaker songs or whatever for the album and try, or you're trying to make the album have a have a concept or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, and I've even, my uh, first album, I even like wrote two songs in the studio on the fly. We just like wrote, you know, just like, and it's like, once you trust yourself musically just to do that, you can come up with that. And sometimes it's better anyway. Yeah. Because you're you have to do it, and so you can't be critical, mm-hmm. and then therefore like you just let whatever comes out. Yeah. Or if you just analyze it to death, you might just crush every bit of originality as usual that it has. You know. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your writing process, like how you come up with uh, what you're singing about? Oh, singing about. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a multitude of things. Uh, uh, a lot of times I'll just get like a, I was, if it's like a, a hook, you know, it could just be a hook or something that's clever, and it's like, oh well, how can I flesh that out and make it 
a full idea uh, uh, that somebody can get behind, or it's just like a like an issue or a you know a topic or something where I'm just you know feel like a need to say something about it, you know, like that. Um, so yeah, and, and I mean, and I'm a big believer too. And Bill Monroe uh, was a great songwriter. Was very adamant about this. He said that every every song he ever had was a gift from God. It's like he's mm-hmm. like, and a lot. I've heard a lot of Chattanooga. songwriters. Heard a lot of songwriters say that they like yeah. they hear, yeah. they just hear something out of nowhere in their head, and it's like mm-hmm. they don't really know where it comes from. And I just and I, so I'm a big believer of that because that's happened to me a lot in my life. Where I just and that happened to me when I was like 12 years old. I started hearing little tunes in my head, and for a while I didn't do anything with them because I didn't think I'm not a songwriter. I'm not, I was like that's nonsense. That's just. Right. But then it used to trust it, and you go, oh, like you trust these little melodies that come in your head. So I'll get little ideas here and there, and luckily now with technology my phone if I like get a it's amazing. idea I just like hit like that and record it it'd be like a 15 second chorus or something yeah. I do, or just even a hook or something and then I have it and then I can go back and pull it up and I go oh yeah when I have time I can like like really start trying to figure out how to flesh it into a full idea mm. you know of a song or whatever uh, I'll do that I'll have an idea and I'll sit down sometimes I'll just write out lyrics I kind of just do it like line by line um but when I was in Chicago, uh, I did musical improv, uh, studied musical improv conservatory at Second City, and that's when I like discovered how valuable it was to like not to to, to do it on the fly, because mm-hmm. we would do musical, we would do like a full improvised musical, it was like <laughs> an hour long, and and you'd have a piano accompanist who would create whatever the score, what it was. So like you as a performer, you would just have to create the melody. And the lyrics didn't really matter, right? In that in that context, or whatever. Just as long as it rhymed, or mm-hmm. it didn't really have to. As long as you were just trying to complete thoughts, it worked. And that really, and when I did that, it really showed me that, like, man, if I like don't get hung up on the words, and just create the melody, I create way more interesting melodies. Because then huh. I'm then I'm just thinking musically of like what sounds good up in you know ebb and flow or whatever. So since then. That's how I write a lot of my songs. I will like, cool. I might get a one hook or whatever, but then I'll just sit down and just like mumble the melodies mm-hmm. or whatever to like not be conformed by the words first. And a lot of times it's like I'll create something that sounds a way, and I and so I'll have a melody or something that has has an identity, and then that makes it easier to figure out the words because you you're like you know what the song is about. Yeah, you know a lot. I mean, a lot of songs like that. You like hear the song without knowing the words of it. You already know the emotion mm-hmm. of the song. Listen to it. So then it's like, okay, what words, you know, fill in with this right. emotion? So mm-hmm. since I've been doing that, I felt that's made my songwriting better because it's awesome. like I'm focusing on the, the the emotion and the melody before I'm like bogged down to tangible words. You know. So uh, what instruments do you play? Uh, I mean, guitar first. I play guitar, and then I also play mandolin, banjo, and uh, I play a little bit of electric bass and fiddle. I'm working on learning the fiddle right now. Okay, cool. Yeah. And you said you've been playing your whole life, so since early childhood? I've been, I've been singing for ever since I was born. You know, my my, uh, my family is very musical. My grandpa uh, sang Gene Autry songs to me and my cousins, you know, around the house all the time. And so I was, grew up on cowboy songs, and then... My dad was a very adamant bluegrass banjo player and adored Bill Monroe more than anything. And that's how me and my family got affiliated with him. And uh, so we just like, as a kid, we just go to bluegrass festivals like every weekend. And, you know, we'd be, be at the Grand Ole Opry maybe once or twice a month. And so just 
being around all that was just kind of in you know in, influenced me without even mm-hmm. knowing it as as a child or whatever. And you know now I realize how much it is me without realizing that that's my background. And this is what you want to do. Right? Yeah, I mean it's just something I have to do. It's just yeah. it's just who I am. It's just uh, for. Uh, it took me a lot of years to realize like what I was uh, for for through my teenage years and early twenties whatever I just sang because I thought it was the only thing I was good at and I thought I just had to do that because I was kind of a recl- I was kind of a introvert or whatever mm-hmm. but then when I, like but I realized like from the time I was a kid I always wanted to be an entertainer if it was sitting in my room performer yeah just if it was sitting in my room ver- uh, verbating uh, doing imitating Eddie Murphy verbatim in his stand up or doing imitating all the characters from SNL or or, or uh, Johnny Carson or whatever. It's like I was always doing impressions and always doing comedy, but I was never, as a kid, I, I didn't have the social uh, confidence or anything to do it in front of people. Hmm. And so, you know, luckily when I moved to Chicago, I like all that came out. So now I'm just, I know that I'm just a all-around entertainer. Or anything, I just call myself a storyteller. That's because that's just what it all boils down to. Like right. I just have the desire to tell stories, whether it's through a song or whether it's writing a script or whether it's being an actor on stage and conveying a story. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. what, anything that has to do with storytelling is just something that, that I really feel the need to do. Or if it's telling jokes, it's telling a story through a joke, you know. Mm-hmm. So when you, uh, when you did comedy, was it yeah. here or was it in Chicago? I, mostly Chicago. I've done very little uh, comedy here. I've, I've, you know, I'm at the Groundlings uh, in L.A., which is the big improv mm-hmm. uh, staple there. You know, I went through a couple of their courses there. Um, but I haven't stepped back into doing stand-up here. Uh, and in, in Chicago, I only did improv, you know, so mm-hmm. I was, it was just... But I'd do that probably two or three nights a week. So there was a lot of outlets where independent groups could go up. And, and I was in, like, every improv school and... Uh, program that w- there was there I was just immersed in it so I would do like improv two or three times a week you know you just do like 30-40 minutes wow completely brave up, you know and you'd find characters that way or you just a lot of times you wouldn't remember anything you did for 40 minutes you'd get laughs, laughs for it if you didn't have a recording of it or whatever you couldn't remember anything you did because you're just in the moment yeah. doing it but uh, yeah I'm uh, debating getting back into doing stand-up here because since L.A. is such a great stand-up city, but, but, you know, Chicago's improv, you know, it's like, but here is such a great stand-up city. I'm wanting to get uh, back into doing stand-up, but um, I just haven't well, the time and, and just figured out how I want to do it yet. How do you think your improv uh, background and training has really helped your success as an artist? Um, well, I mean... One is just one. It's one more skill to have, um, like anything. But I would say that the beauty of, of improv uh, that I think I think and and they do that like Second City and and uh, improv schools like that. They have a lot of like corporate outreach stuff. They'll have someone go in that's an improvised instructor where they're going like a, a business or whatever, and they'll show how improv and stuff is good for implementing ideas and, for sure. and, and stuff like that. And so it's really good because the whole mentality of, of improv is like it's really like trusting your gut, trusting your instinct because it's all in you, all of us. We, you know, and so it's like getting out of your own way because as, as you know, as when you're a kid, you have no problem imagining and making up stuff because you don't judge yourself. You're right. just making up nonsense or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like as you, as we all get older as adults, we start getting critical and yeah. in our heads and worry what people think. So it's like. Improv is like the opposite of that. It's like 
helping you get out of your head again and trust your because that's where like mm-hmm. the ideas come from. So it's helped me a lot of that, like trusting myself uh, in things and just kind of being spontaneous and mm-hmm. not judging yourself and just like letting whatever can come out, you know. So you say you write scripts. So do yeah. you ever like uh, when you write a script, you ever envision like the soundtrack that you would do? I do. Well, yeah. I mean, I've got uh, not with the, I've I've wrote one movie and I don't mm-hmm. have any clue in my mind what the score would be oh, like for okay. it. Uh, it'd probably be more of a, a movie that includes a lot of like pop songs as backgrounds. But um, okay. but I've got musicals. I've got one musical that I'm writing mm-hmm. that's a cowboy musical. So it is very much I'm writing the story and the music to it all mm-hmm. at the same time and it's very much uh, that and it, it in all and most of my most of my stories all start from a joke or something stupid you know it's like uh, you know my movie for instance is about these uh, two gay guys who grew up in a small red state town one of them got out after high school went to New York and, and, and shacked up with a supermodel boyfriend and the <laughs> other one was like too afraid to ever get out and stayed home and then the other one comes back to visit <laughs> and uh, come back to visit, and it's like hilarity ensues, and they get involved with a local church because they hear this rumor that the governor is going to pass gay marriage, and they're both uh, cripplingly terrified of commitment to their boyfriends, so they want to stop gay marriage <laughs> so that they don't have to get married to their boyfriends. So, like, they actually befriend a church thinking, like, oh, the church will help us because they hate us or whatever. And and so they, and they, one of them goes in, one of them goes in drag and they pretend to be, like, a engaged couple at a church. And, and what they, they end up finding is that in the church, they end up finding this loving embrace and acceptance that they you know, dispelling misconceptions from both sides of the fence or whatever. And so the people in the church actually help them get through their relationship problems in their life. And, and it turns out the, the people in church knew all along and, but they, they they didn't hesitate. Well, I'm not, you know, I was like, but but like they end up helping each other out. And it's like, it's this great thing where they help. So it's just, it's a lot of comedy involved. It's just, you know, hilarity, ridiculous things. But like, that all came from a joke. I was like, when I was in Chicago, I was like, it was it was during like the whole big Supreme Court whatever gay marriage thing, and I was like, you know, I was like people picketing. I was like, I was like, what if there was just two gay guys out there, a gay guy out there just protesting just because he doesn't want to be committed, you know? And I was like, what? And so that just kind of sparked the whole thing. And my my musicals is like the same way. This cowboy musical that I'm writing, it's it's like a homage to um, like Gene Autry and Roy Rogers and those singing cowboy musicals but it all started from this ridiculous joke of a show I was in in Chicago I was in Million Dollar Quartet which is the Broadway show of Sun Records the story mm. of Sun Records and so they had a running gag before I even got there one of the they would always try and insert this little lick into the show somewhere and he's like and it was called Bag of Dicks in a Railroad Spike and it was like and I don't even know if someone there came up with it and it had no context of meaning anything no, it, it had no context whatsoever it was just a little stupid thing. I think one of them found a railroad spike in the dressing room and it was just like they like that and so me like like wanting to create context of things I started doing that show I would put that in in the show whenever I was playing guitar on the show and I'd get notes from music director like quit putting Bag of Dicks in the in the underscore and you know and that was, I was very proud to have those notes you know I was like that's pretty, that's pretty funny yeah. and so I just like went home one day and I was like I want to like bring this to life and so I wrote this like Marty Robbins type cowboy story song 
uh, about the guy who had the bag of dicks and railroad spike. And it was like this <laughs> story of a guy in Arizona and nobody really didn't know about his past, but he carried around this little pouch on his hip and he had a railroad spike around his neck. And, and then like something <laughs> happened, there was corrupt per- politician in the town and he ends up, the good guy gets framed for it and he has to clear his name by going to find an Arizona Ranger. And along the way, you find out how he got the railroad spike he used to like he worked on the railroad and he drove the last spike joined the east and west so they got this golden railroad spike and you find fascinating out, and you find out that he um that he has this pouch and he doesn't even know what's in it he's like had it around his hip for a bit but he was like in the calvary and you tell a story if he was in the calvary and he was supposed to go in and fighting this uh tribe of indians and it was the wrong tribe it was a peaceful tribe and so when he got in there he like stopped the men from engaging in battle and he saved the tribe's life because it was the wrong one so like the Indian chief like said something to him in Navajo and gave him this thing and was like, "You must keep this with you at all time." And he never knew what it was. And then later in the in the in the musical, like <laughs> this uh, this love interest who's very fluent in uh, Indian languages translates like, "You've been carried around the virile remains of all the former Indian chiefs." <laughs> and, like, so his sidekick's like, "You've been carrying around a bag of dicks, boy." You know, like, and he's like, "What?" So you know, so it's like that's oh my god, like, how do you come up with this stuff? Yeah, so it's like that's the thing of why it carries you around. And so they end up the, the bad guys like trap them in a jail and set it on fire, and they think they're dead. And all of a sudden, the pouch glows, and these three spirit Indians <laughs> show up and save them. And these three former Indian chiefs have been watching over him all these years, and then. And now they're going back to the town to save the girl who got kidnapped. And it's, it's you know, the Arizona Ranger and Bo and his sidekick and the three spirit Indians on spirit horses, like, going back to save them, you know. And so it's like, so that's like this ridiculous comedic story, you know. Um, so that, like, that's like the story arc of it. And so and I've started, but, and so I wrote it like, well, this is a, I want it to be funny. It's funny, but like, but also like uh, along the way, I thought it was like, well, I want to like make this like a tribute to like real uh, singing cowboy movies because mm-hmm. like a lot of the generation now doesn't know anything about that, and I grew up on that. And my grandpa was like the biggest Gene Autry fan in the world, and I love that type of storytelling. So that's what I've decided to make this musical huh. like a stage version yeah. of of a singing cowboy movie, and so like the. The, the lead character will sing and there's like a traveling four-piece cowboy band that just kind of moves around and underscores the whole thing and it's just so it's like it's it's a comedy but at the same time too all the music I'm writing for it is like genuine authentic sounding old cowboy songs very so like, cool so that's you know but so you're just, in the process of finishing it or? yeah I'm working on it I'm like about four songs in through, I mean I've got the treatment I know the whole story layout yeah uh, I've got all that I've got most of the details but I'm about four four songs into it. I've got like the first four songs and the overture mm-hmm. written for it or whatever, you know. So, so you're definitely like a storyteller. So I yeah, guess... I like, yeah. <laughs> I like telling stories. Yeah. So when it, come, when it comes to your band, that's what you're doing also. You're, you're yeah, telling we're stories. telling stories through songs, you know, and yeah. and, uh, and hopefully, you know, uh, when we play out, it's like an experience. People come see us, you know. Like, I mean, it's not so much... We're playing dance halls and stuff. It's kind of just, you know, play the songs, make people want to dance and have a good time, whatever. But, like, when we do a concert or something, they can be more involved, and it's, like, telling stories about the songs or, yeah. you know, just making an experience uh, of the show, you know. So we do both, you know, just mm-hmm. whatever. We're doing dance halls, it's more about... If we're playing dance halls, it's more about we play the songs and make them dance, but then we're just, like, having fun together jamming out on the songs, yeah. you mm-hmm. know. So that's, yeah. So where do you guys perform? Um... 
we performed last night at Cowboy Country in Long Beach, mm-hmm. uh, which has been around for a lot of years, and we'll be there tonight too, from okay. nine to one thirty. And then uh, we play uh, Cowboy Palace, which is up in the Valley in Chatsworth. We play there once or twice a month, um, uh, and it's the same deal. You know, they have live, live music every night of the week there, and it's one of those old uh, dance halls with a built-in dance crowd that really likes country music. So we play there. Uh, we play. Uh, was that? But we play. There's a place in, in Dana Point, in. Swallows Inn in San Juan Capuchon. That's another like classic mm-hmm. uh, country dive bar kind of staple of, of San Juan. We play there once a month. It's real nice. We play Stillwater, which is in Dana Point, uh, regular. And then we'll do Mother's do Tavern. Mother's Tavern. That's one of our. Yeah, it's like our first gig. Uh, it's in Sunset Beach, and it's a little tiny, little tiny bar. We just kind of cram in a little corner, but it's maybe. Maybe the most fun we have mm-hmm. of any gigs because uh, just the crowds just really enthralled with everything we do and uh, it's not it's not it's not about playing dance songs it's about like just like really rocking out the, mm-hmm. the country tunes and we we have more freedom there to like do we could do three slow songs in a row if we wanted to or whatever you know <laughs> but like you know uh, but we just kind of kind of. We'll, we'll we'll throw stuff out in the air or whatever and just do stuff there, experiment stuff. But well, you cool. guys have a great sound. It's well, a thank lot. You. It's thank a lot you. of fun. Mm-hmm. Thank you, you know, it feels like it's a celebration or a party or. Yeah, it's like know. we we just I think we have the most fun on yeah. stage playing. You know, it's like, and that's the thing. It's like that's why it's like good to get. I mean, it's like with any successful band, like the Stones or the Beatles or like that. It's like when you get like a right combination of people together and you're all like a group mind for what you're doing everybody does a different thing in the band but it's all a common goal of like let's have fun and, and yeah. really honor the songs you know and mm-hmm. honor the story so it's really just and like that so when you get like a group of people together that you do get that for it just makes it so fun and effortless you know it's like but sometimes it's not so much here lately but when I was like finding musicians you know we'd have a gig or whatever and we'd have a sub or something they'd either didn't do their homework or they just didn't get style of music and then it just felt like a battle all night because it was just like I'm sure it's not you know it's like we're getting through it and the audience is like oh y'all sound fine it's like no we don't it's like <laughs> no it's like it's like we're not the groove's not there you know so it's like then it feels like work or whatever uh-huh. you get through it but when everyone's on the same page it just feels effortless it's yeah. just yeah do you guys all have the same influences or the same genres kind of or broader, no? probably yeah. probably broad yeah what about you Nick you got uh, I I'm a big metalhead. My brother yeah. got me into metal when I was in the, in my teens, and yeah. I grew up playing orchestra. The first instrument I played was tuba. Actually. Really? So classical metal was mine. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's very broad. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Kevin? I grew up in Santa Barbara. Not much honky tonking country music in Santa Barbara, so I kind of came to that came to that later. But kind of through Americana and playing the steel and folk yeah. Americana stuff, and then. Some friends in college introduced me to Merle Haggard, and that was kind of that was it for me. And had to dig in deep. Uh, well, I grew up here in Orange County. Uh, my parents listened to a lot of Nirvana, grunge. Pearl Jam, mm-hmm. a lot of grunge, but then also a lot of like Sunvolt and Wilco. Uh-huh. Uh, They're pretty hip parents. <laughs> but then uh, uh, later on, they started listening to some more Johnny Cash after that movie came out. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so they started playing a lot of that. Uh, CCR, you call them, kind of country. Yeah. Um, but yeah, also just a lot of folk music, cool. too. So my yeah. parents Very cool. raised Which is, me on that. 
Which is kind of a cool thing that like none of them come from a strictly right country background or whatever, but like but yet uh, I think we all just a commonality, we all do it really well together. Yeah. Whatever, you know. I mean when I first heard you guys, yeah. I didn't I I didn't think it was country when I first heard it. Oh, right? It was well, it's not it's not pop country. It's not like the No, it's not like no, <laughs> yeah, we, we right. don't fit in at all with what's on the radio. No, <laughs> right, we exactly. don't have we don't have a beat machine or a backward <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't call that country though. Yeah. That's not country though. That's uh, I, mean, I don't even really know southern what that is. Music. Oh like yeah, southern yeah. pop. Yeah, yeah, that's rap music for for people who are afraid of black people. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that's, that's not my quote. That's Steve Earle. Steve Earle said that, and it's kind of like, and I'm kind of like, he might have a point. It's kind of like, kind of, kind of. It's just like, but I was, I was like, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, I don't hate. Uh, the, you know, people like come at me all times like, "How dare you go after Luke Bryan or these people?" Or like, like, I was like, "I'm not going after from not doing what they do." Like, that's fine. People, you know, like what they do. It, it's but you know, and that, that I don't care about that. Like, there's all kinds of different musics, and music doesn't have to have labels on it. That's the thing. But if you're going to label it, yeah. don't label it wrong. That's right. the thing. Mm-hmm. It's like that's the thing about you know. I mean, other people real blase about it. It's like, oh, whatever. That's just what new country is, and for me, it's like I was like, no, I grew up on this music, and there's a tradition to it, and I know, you know, grew up around a lot of people that were the founders of the of the of the, the beginning of it and stuff like that. And it's like to just pretend like it's something else new and forget about it, like that's just rude. And it's mm-hmm. like no yeah. one would just like, oh, let's just forget about Miles Davis and call anything jazz. It's like it's, it's just rude. It's like yeah. no, it's like it's like it doesn't negate anything new people are doing or whatever. It's like that. That's great. That's their thing. But when they're trying to like piggyback on it and use it as a, as a as a badge of something it's not, it's like, well, do you have to lie about what your music is to make people like it? Like, it's like, right. can you if can it just speak for itself, or do you have to like try and label it something not to try and get some sort of validity or something otherwise? You know, it's like it's like either don't label it all or call it what it is. Yeah, you know? yeah. So you're building an audience. Trying um, to, yeah. And are you doing social media? Do yeah, you, I got you know I got active? Facebook and and Instagram and stuff like Do that. Do you want to plug any of them? Oh yeah, I mean you can look up uh, you can find anything Michael Monroe Goodman. If you just put in Michael Monroe Goodman, it'll show up everywhere. True it's, on yeah. Google, yeah, it's not very yeah. Hard. I mean that's just my handle for every social media outlet. Yeah. It's just my full name. Yeah, you know, it's like Instagram, Facebook, or like that. I don't have Snapchat or anything. Okay, I'm not young and cool enough. To do that, <laughs> but, I um, couldn't figure it out. Yeah, but like Instagram or Facebook or. Uh, I, I think I have a Twitter account, but it just reposts YouTube, everything I do on Instagram. A, there's a video, but it's oh, not. Yeah. But it's not on your channel, right? I've uh, got, but I've got, yeah, a lot of you YouTube have? videos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, YouTube. You know, so I put, usually post anything video I do on YouTube, okay. where I've got like my Country Music Matters uh, series that I started on YouTube <laughs> uh, that I started years ago, uh, where it's just like I'm just kind of play an old country song that people, people might have forgotten about, give a little info or something about it or whatever and just it's kind of like an education thing or whatever yeah so do that yeah well we know uh you said earlier that you've got a show coming up tonight yeah uh, but you know this episode's not coming out for another week or so so yeah. we'd like to hear something that's oh, yeah. coming up in the next couple oh, weeks oh yeah, yeah 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 let's see uh kevin is better at it than i am he keeps better <laughs> tracking his phone than i do i sometimes forget um on the 17th which will be two weeks from night we'll be at cowboy palace in chatsworth Swallows uh, on the on the 18th. Swallows and Samuel Compton on the 18th. Okay. I'm not sure if it comes out in time, but we'll be at Mother's Tavern in Huntington Beach on the 11th for Veterans Day uh, kind of playing you know, thing there. 
And then the uh, the 25th, I will be at Original Mike's here in Santa Ana on oh. Sunday, like a matinee. I don't know if the band will be with me yet. They haven't told me yet. They're, it's a hillbilly jazz show that, mm-hmm. that a, a company does, a lot of rockabilly stuff, and they want me on it, but they didn't tell me yet whether or not they want me to bring my band if they just want me to come sing a few oh. songs. So uh, I haven't found that out yet. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I, It's probably just going to be me because I don't think they're going to be paying me money, so I'm not going <laughs> to uh, drag out my uh, other band for no money. Um, but, um, yeah, then uh, December will be... Um, Swallows in on seventh, yeah, and yeah, that's about the one cool. we got coming up there cool. like that. But you can always check out michaelmonroegoman.com and, and do you play a combination of or, or originals and covers or yeah. just originals? Yeah, we play out. We do. We keep it. We it's you know probably like seventy thirty blend. We do mm-hmm. especially the dance hall stuff. You know, we oh play yeah, of course, like seventy thirty of covers and dance stuff, but always throw in uh originals in there too but call the dance to it and they yeah we call the dance to it Uh you know that's the thing it's like we started playing dance halls i'm like okay which of my songs can we cater to that because i want to be able to play original music but also it fit in the in the context where we're playing so luckily most all my songs boy any song but has has a dance to it or whatever so we just kind of fit fit that in so a lot of people that come to our dance hall shows like don't even realize that love some of them will say, "Oh, I like that song." Like, "Well, it's mine." Like, "Really?" You know, they don't even know. They don't. They don't put it together. They don't listen when you tell them. You know, of course, you sing it or whatever. But it's like, I know some some uh, original artists uh, get flack for playing their original songs at venues or whatever, and uh, for whatever reasons, you yeah. know. But like, so I'm aware of that. It's like you got to be careful because if you know if you're hired, you're getting paid money to play a dance hall. Your job for that gig is to keep them dancing and having a good time. So it's like you can't do all your like sad bastard promote your stuff, yeah. Whatever you know, you gotta like you gotta do stuff that kind of fits. So you know, for that, um, you gotta be careful of doing stuff, showing your original stuff, but like make sure it fits in the context of what what you're doing like that. And I don't, don't, that's not a problem for me because I've got most of my songs are either danceable you know or sentimental we mm-hmm. don't do a lot of the sentimental we don't do like the sad real sad uh personal whatever songs live we just do like the real good dance, dance fun stuff. songs yeah cool well yeah. good we're excited yeah uh speaking of which uh we'd love to hear you guys play yeah, yeah. uh why don't we move into the other room and uh get you guys set up let's do it all right yeah before we get to the incredible performances by michael monroe goodman and the honky tonk ninjas i just wanted to take a quick moment and thank the sponsor of this episode cbd online store CBD is becoming more and more popular as its healing properties can help with anything from joint pain, muscle pain, sleeplessness. It is even used to help pets with anxiety. To check out all sorts of CBD products, go to cbd-online-store.com. And don't forget to use the code GR10OFF for 10% off their already discounted prices. That's GR10OFF at cbd-online-store.com.
right, we want to thank you guys one last time for coming in today. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Uh, for us. That was a treat, man. That was great. Yeah, great, great job, guys. You guys. Amazing. Uh, one last time, where can we follow you guys on social media? Uh, MichaelMonroeGoodman.com. Uh, you can find out all the places we're playing. You know, you can check out these guys too. Nick Zingraff, Ken, Kevin Milner, and Kate Burns. They play in other bands. You want to check out other stuff? Great musicians, well, all but, of you. But thank, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great. Buddy. Great band. Cool. Yeah. Thank you guys. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play. Just Google Granted Radio. You can find us there. Right. Email, do you really want to quickly touch on uh, Artist Spotlight? That's uh, every other Monday at Worst House in, in uh, Santa Ana. Yeah, come out, uh, see other local artists, and win a $50 prize for the best show. All right, we want to thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys. Sign out here. Everybody's